Modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, 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 dads. Just a couple of dudes talking news, sports, and guys. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Modern Christian Dads Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson alongside Kelly Stevens. Yay! Good afternoon, everyone. How's it going, Kelly? It's going great. We got we, we got the whole crew with us ah! once again. <laughs> yes, yes. Episode 29. Yes, and we're coming off of a big week of uh, mega sports camp. I'm feeling energized. We're going to get it fired up. Yes. Crank up those engines. We are ready to go here on the Modern Christian Dads podcast. So, hey, we're a couple dudes talking news, sports, and gods. So thanks for joining us. Go ahead and grab that ice cold Mountain Dew and crack it open. That's not even a sound effect, Kelly Stevens. I know, that's a real thing. That's the real thing right there. Real deal. If you hear any burps, belches, or whatever, that's just because (laughs) I'm swigging on this a little bit here and there throughout the show. So, hey, thanks for joining us, guys. All of our listeners, listeners, why don't you like, share, subscribe to the Modern Christian Dads podcast. Just tell the entire world about it. Amen? Amen. The lady at the the gas station, Walmart lady, uh, just ask them, do you listen to the Modern Christian Dads podcast? We hope you do. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. So we're going to start off with some news. Uh, all, all kinds of great things happening in the world today, Kelly Stevens. Um, do you have a hot take regarding aliens? Uh, you know, I just find it interesting. Aliens. Yes, I, <laughs> I find it interesting, and I, I like to watch uh, the things about UFOs, and uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm having a hard time biting on that. <laughs> All right. Well, the lead in being this Air Force responds to plans to storm Area 51 and see them aliens. As more than 1 million people on Facebook say they're attending a joke event to storm Area 51, the U.S. military has responded to the plans just in case they actually do. Air Force spokesman Laura McAndrews said in a statement to USA Today that military officials were aware of the event that aims to uncover what many people believe are conspiratorial secrets of the military installation in Nevada. McAndrews didn't specify any security plans at the base, but she did warn those thinking of entering the area. The Nevada Test and Training Range is an area where the Air Force tests and trains combat aircraft, McAndrews said. Any attempt to illegally access military installations or military training areas is dangerous. The military's response comes after 1.2 million people responded to this, uh, to the event on Facebook, uh, which is scheduled for September 20th from 3 to 6 a.m., says it aims to see them aliens. <laughs> you, We should go down there and right. do a modern Christian dad's uh, I live do, event. I do. Oh, man, <laughs> another good one. Yes. All right. Well, I do think it's fascinating. I Here's where I, I watch it every once in a while. If I'm at the gym with the free TV, the History Channel, I like yes, to do some of these that's... aliens, ancient aliens, yes. stuff like that. So I do think it's kind of interesting. And I, I I do wonder from the government standpoint, like what what hidden things they have from us. Oh well, you know that they're not telling us everything. Yeah, so. I mean, there's got to be some, maybe not aliens, but there's yeah. got to be some good stuff we don't know about. Yeah, well, you know uh, the the latest thing that they uh, they had a some government guy that uh, retired, walked away, or whatever, and was in charge of the the UFO uh, stuff. I've just been seeing him on TV here a lot, and. Uh, uh, they've been releasing footage of some kind of encounter where uh, military jets uh, were were tracking or trying to track this uh, 
UFO and it mm-hmm. was making some really strange turns, like 90 degree turns and s- stopping completely and hovering and then just jetting out of there. No propulsion, no, no exhaust, no nothing. So some of that's kind of interesting to, yeah. to listen to. I do. There are certain dreams and goals I have in life. One is to create a alien conspiracy. So like one time in back when I was in South Dakota, some people took some, uh, the weather balloons and like tied them together and then put flares on them. Oh yeah. In a formation yeah. and send yeah. it up to the sky. And I thought that would be cool to do that, to, to create some news buzz. Yeah. My only thinking is I don't want to get in legal trouble as a pastor. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. You know what? I, I've been thinking <laughs> about uh, taking a youth group over to uh, Rick Maynard's house and doing a crop circle <laughs> in his backyard. Well, if you want to go guys, put it in the calendar, <laughs> September 20th from three to 6 a.m., all together, one one million people, one point two people, yes. two million people. If we storming if, Area Fifty One, if we can figure out that there's going to be that many people, we should travel there and do a modern Christian Dad live broadcast. <laughs> All right, we need to, man. Uh, could you please support our show <laughs> in listening and finances? We need to get a modern Christian Dad's motorhome. <laughs> To, to tour to all these places. All yes. right, next up, I'm a big Shaquille O'Neal. Talk a little sports here. I'm a big Shaquille O'Neal fan. If I rank my all-time, my top three players, it's number one, Magic Johnson, number two, Shaquille O'Neal, number three, LeBron James. Those are my guys. Yeah. But uh, Shaquille O'Neal loses a 2004 bet, but will he now kiss Steve Kerr's feet with cheese, question mark. Let me explain this for you, Kelly Stevens. Shaquille O'Neal's words are coming back to haunt him. Have you ever had your words come back to haunt you? Uh, many times. <laughs> and the words aren't the lines from the movie Kazam. Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr poked fun Monday at a video clip of Shaquille O'Neal from 2004, just days after the big man was traded from the Los Angeles Lakers to the Miami Heat. O'Neal was praising former coach Phil Jackson in the clip, saying no coach would ever match Jackson and take a team to the finals four out of five years which he did from 1999 to 2004 those were some good years in my life right there Kelly Stevens uh, yes NBA standpoint it just so happened Kerr has accomplished that feat he took the Warriors to five finals in a row between 2014 to 2019 while guiding a dynasty that has won three titles in that time frame and Neil said if such a feat ever happened He'd kiss that coach's feet on the show Fear Factor. Remember that show? <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. Which now airs on MTV with not only would he kiss his feet, but with cheese on it, O'Neill said in the clip. I will. It will never be done again. So Kerr said former player David West forwarded him the clip and took to Twitter to jab at O'Neill, who then replied by saying, make sure it's draft cheese. Or I think he meant craft cheese. But anyway. <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully it's not homemade foot cheese. <laughs> that would be just gross. So, uh, uh, yeah, what's the squeeze cheese, the squeezy cheese? Oh, Stick some of that in there. Yeah, the little can, can cheese. <laughs> can cheese right between the toes and lick through that. Anyway, getting gross now. Anyway, sometimes I guess we could do, this is not our spiritual talk, but that could be our spiritual talk for the day when our words come back to haunt us. Uh, that is right, because it will happen many, many times in your life. Yeah, and so as one who preaches and does podcasts, trust me, there are times that <laughs> th- I let things come out of my mouth that I, I want to grab back. But 
such as life. All right, there you go, Shaquille O'Neal. Let's get that YouTube video, that Twitter video, whatever, Facebook Live. Let's see a lick and cheese right out of Steve Kerr's toes, feet, etc. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to cell phones. We always see the uh, uh, Can You Hear Me Now, all the cell phone companies constantly battling between who is the best, right, Kelly Stevens? That's right. Who are you? What, what, what's your service? Uh, AT&T. I'm an ATTN guy as well. Well, let me give you some research here. Verizon has the fastest and best mobile network study shows. Verizon has bragged about having the best and most reliable 4G LTE mobile networks. But is there a phone company out there that can beat them? Well, not this year, according to tests conducted by Root Metrics by HIHS Market. In the first half of 2019, Verizon tests showed is the mobile company to beat nationwide, through, uh, though AT&T is hot on its heels. So number one, Verizon. Number two, AT&T. T-Mobile and Sprint, which are still seeking regulatory approval for their pending merger, finished third and fourth, respectively. So Verizon's the top dog. I may have to switch. All right. It was the 12th time in a row Verizon wore the crown as the carrier shared or took top honors in all the categories measured by Rootmetrics overall performance, network reliability, network speed, data performance, call performance, and text performance. But you know what? A lot of that has to do with where you live as well. Exactly. And I think this is kind of AT&T country, isn't it? <clears throat> it is. I think that's kind of the top dog in this particular area. There you go. Verizon. And who's the one guy? Can you hear me now? I know he, he went to Sprint, didn't he? The can he can you hear me now, guy? Yeah, I think he did go to Sprint. He's not with uh, he's he's not with he's where the yellow, which is Sprint. Yeah, he's always supporting yeah. the yellow now. Man, that guy's he's got to make some bucks. We need to look <laughs> up and see what his uh, net worth is. We're also available for commercials for your company, the Modern Christian Dads. <laughs> give us a call. Give us an email. All right, guys. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, next up, we talk a little bit of food, and you know that I'm not necessarily a big IHOP fan, but they are celebrating their sixty one year, 61st anniversary. Yes. Still raking in billions. IHOP celebrates its 61st birthday Tuesday, capping off a momentous year that introduced a fake name change and a new menu item. Remember we talked about the burger yeah. pancake combos and all this stuff going on. The breakfast chain is commemorating its anniversary by selling a stack of its signature buttermilk pancakes for 58 cents, a nod to its founding in 19. 58. The wow. deal is available Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. at IHOP's restaurants in the United States. The company has a lot to celebrate. Last year's sales at IHOP stores opened a year or more grew by 1.5% last year. That growth continued according to its most recent earnings report. The restaurant is owned by Dine Brands, a California company that also operates Applebee's. Cool. I, I need to get there to get the pancakes. All right. This Tuesday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 58 cents for a stack of pancakes because they started back in 1958. And, uh, but I don't know why again, again, I hop, I have had my worst breakfast experiences with you. I don't know why. And it all comes down to the service, not necessarily the food. I have had horrible service every time I go to IHOP. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been, it's not just been regionally. Okay. I mean, I've lived in California. I've lived East coast and West coast yeah. in my lifetime. It always stinks. Yo, what's up? <laughs> I'm like, dude, seriously, do they train people just like, is that part of the company vision uh, or core values? Don't treat your customers good. Anyway, <laughs> oh my. we could still think about it, Kelly. I hop. Let's see. We got to get our calendar out this particular Tuesday. We'll have to go over the, actually today is Tuesday. So we would have oh. to do it today. Oh, speaking of Tuesday. And I'd have to borrow um, 58 cents today. from you. All right. I could cover you on that one. 
All right, here we go. Next up, 25 common words that did not exist until the 1980s. So Kelly, you've been around before the 80s. <laughs> I came around right at the turn of 1980. So here's some words, and I'm going to explain some of these. They're 25, but I'm just going to give you five of them, okay? All right. Word number one, laptop. <laughs> Portable computers were already on the market by 1981, but it would take a few more years before they started being widely described as laptops. The first official laptop was the Gavillion SC, introduced in May 1983, which came with a 40... 8KB of ROM, a far weaker tech than the RAM you'd find in today's machines, and cost around $4,000. Oh, my. And if you're dealing with a machine that feels like it's from that era, well, this is why, uh, you know, uh, then you're slow computers. But, can I mean, for $4,000, you can buy an amazing MacBook Pro. I mean, you can buy a computer, two, three, four hundred dollars And that's one inter interesting thing is when you look back on technology, like we talked about t TVs the one time, yeah. that, you know, even in the back in the 80s or 70s, you know, TVs cost. Oh, yeah. Four, five, six hundred. Yeah. They were in big, nice wood. Thousand bucks. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and now, I mean, I just bought, when I moved in my new house, I bought a 55-inch for $325, I think, or something like wow, that. Wow, you got a good buy. Yeah, Black Friday special. Yes. All right, the next word, very, very uh, one you're very familiar with, Kelly Stevens, hip-hop. Um, it was the <laughs> first few lines of the Sugar Hill Gang's 1979 hit, Rapper's Delight, that introduced the word hip-hop to the masses. But it wasn't until 1982 when Village Voice reporter Stephen Hager predicted that hip-hop could be considered the most significant artistic achievement of the decade that it, it, that it became more than just a lyric. <laughs> Have you ever been a hip-hop guy, Kelly Stevens? I'm not been a hip-hop guy. You're not a hip-hop guy. I'm the, I'm the least uncool person that you'll All ever right. meet. <laughs> well, I always go back to that in terms of music. I grew up uh, really, I, I guess, you know, 80s, that kind of heavy metal yeah, hair rock. Yeah, that, that was just, you know, a little bit before me. So I mean, really that more pop, hip hop, that was really my teenage years. So yeah. I, I connect with hip hop still to this day. I'm a little embarrassed to say that, uh, well, 60s and 70s, the rock stuff was really what, what I liked. Uh, but then uh, the disco kind of come in into oh. the 70s, <laughs> late 70s. Oh, yeah. The Platform shoes, bell Let's bottoms. find some yeah. pictures here, Kelly yes, Stevens. Yes, sir. Post it on our Facebook page. Hey, I could do that. Again, by the way, Modern Christian Dad's Facebook page. Go to our Facebook page, like it. We're looking to interact with you guys more. All right, third word, cyberspace. <laughs> cyberspace didn't come until the 80s. Science fiction author William Gibson came up with the word cyberspace for his 1982 short story, Burning Chrome, but it took his 1984 novel, Neur Neuromancer, for it to enter the, the zeitgeist, as he explained in an interview, the word came from his need to create that sense of other realm, a sense of agency within my daily life, looking for bits and pieces of reality that could be cobbled into the area uh, arena I needed. And for some sci-fi that will never, ever come to pass. All right. So there you go. Cyberspace. <laughs> it's got a different meaning than what I thought. Okay. Here we go. Two more for you, Kelly Stevens. Fourth, emo. I use this word a lot because... 
I have teenage girls. Short for emotional, hardcore, emo was coined to describe a very specific punk scene in the mid-80s, Washington, D.C., but the exact origins are shrouded in mystery. According to author Andy Greenwald in his 2003 book, Nothing Feels Good, Punk Rock, Teenagers, and Emo. It first came into common practice in 1985. If minor threat was hardcore, then Rites of Spring with its altered focus was emotional hardcore or emo core. So there you go. Gabrielle, my daughter, Gabrielle. I wrote a song for her one time called Emo. So um, now you know, Gabrielle, a little bit more about emo. It goes back far before your time frame. And finally, the word techno. All right. The word techno used to describe a genre of electric dance music, EDM can either make you grimace or jump to your feet, ready to lose yourself in the music. The term originated from a scene that started in the mid-1980s in Belleville, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. Artists like Wayne At- Juan Atkins, Eddie Folks, Kevin Saunderson, and Derek May created a style of EDM that sounded and felt like it was from the 22nd century. So there you go. Some words that didn't come into existence till I the wish 1980s. I had a dollar for every time Belinda and I danced all night long to techno <laughs> to techno I, I like i like techno i like hip-hop i love that digital digital sound there's actually a couple of the the groups that i really like in terms they're kind of like worship they do like some poppy techno dance stuff that i would love for church music to sound like but um probably not in our church at this <laughs> exact moment yeah. lma lma are you listening can we do techno in church anyway all right It'd be really hilarious if she is actually listening to this podcast right now. All right. Well, hey, we're going to dive into some spiritual talk in just a moment. But before we do that, we want to turn it over to our sponsor, Grace Point. Hi, my name is Jeremiah Johnson. I am the host of Grace Point Daily and the Modern Christian Dads podcast. But most importantly, I have the coolest job of being the lead pastor of Grace Point Assembly in Carthage, Missouri. Our church is about helping people discover a relationship with Christ and your purpose in Him, connecting other followers of Christ together in relationship and living out the mission of God. Why don't you join us for a service next time you're in this area? For more information, service times, and our address, go to gracepointag.org. We hope to see you soon. And Kelly, Steve, maybe that's why we've had so many visitors lately at our church. Might be. It's that little plug we've been playing right here on the the Modern Christian Dads podcast. (laughs) I'm sure it is. Hey, if you're in the air, I hope you got a great home church that you're a part of, wherever you're at in the world, in America. But hey, if you're ever in good old Southern Missouri, stop by Grace Point Assembly and we'll have a great time. You can meet the Modern Christian Dads in person. We'll give free autographs, you know, all that stuff. We'll treat you right. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to talk about temptation today, Kelly. And uh, I just was reading through this little article. I'm going to read through and we'll talk a little bit about temptation because guess what? Temptation comes to every man. It does. And my friend Larry, I got to say this, Larry Lynn told me that temptation is the only thing that he could not resist. <laughs> Ching. All right. Good job, Larry. Well, we are going to have to struggle with it, but you know, the Bible does talk about uh, God is faithful to deliver you from every temptation. He will provide a way of escape for you. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There is no escape from the testing ground of temptation. God said it would come, and in fact, it's necessary in order to develop a real man and bring him into greater service. It's no sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted in every way. What is necessary is for God's man to expect it, preempt it, resist it, 
and not RSVP to the tempter. Oh, wow. So you will encounter temptation. The question is, what is your identity? Who are you? Are you encountering the same types of temptation today as you did many years ago? The static or changing nature of temptation you face reflects your growth in Christ and as a man. Without holding submission of a certain area in your life, ensures spiritual stagnation. As your character grows and changes, the attacks change too. Satan doesn't attack a babe in Christ the same way he does a mature disciple, disciplined soldier. The tactics change based on your resolve and spiritual disposition. He only changes his tactics if he can't continue to hold you hostage through the impure passions he exploited. Nail this down. God's plan is not immunity from the struggle, but victory over the temptation. Mm -hmm. God told the men of Israel that he would give them the land and that they would be victorious. A lot of men hearing this promise were elated, but they went went from elation to deflation when they realized they'd need to suit up, show up, and engage the people hand-to-hand to receive it. Would giving it to them outright have produced the faith? that their commander really was looking for. So I thought that was kind of a good word there on temptation. It absolutely is. But let's walk through that, Kelly Stevens. You know, the Bible tells us that God is going to provide a way of escape for us, that that number one, we're going to be encountering temptation, but there's always a way out. There is, and uh, that most of the time is just through his word. Yeah, one way is one way is through his word, yeah. and the temptations are temptations are tests, if you will. Yeah, uh, and one way of looking at it, and the Bible tells us that there are multiple tests in our faith. And I've said it this way before that God, you know, in in terms of my children, I have children, all my children in school right now, and the only way that I can determine if they are doing well. In, in their studies is by giving them a test. Yep. It says where they're at, if they're doing good or if they're doing bad. And so we have temptations, we have tests in our, our faith, and it, it should, what it ultimately should do is help develop and cultivate a greater man of God and greater character in our life. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I think that the, the biggest problem that most people have I, you know, I was one that never liked tests, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's never fun going through tests. But the the biggest problem uh, for me, anyway, was I didn't want to fail. You know what I mean? And so sometimes when things got really hard, um, you just kind of gave up because you didn't want. You know, you <laughs> you didn't want to say, "Well, I gave my yeah. best, but yet I failed." You know, yeah. and so uh, a lot of times I just kind of panic and walk away but now that i've become a, a much stronger christian matured you know um, yeah. i it's like bring it on i don't want to get too cocky about things but it's like yeah. let's let's do this yeah there's nothing worse talking about we talked about last week we're doing mega sports camp there's nothing worse than a quitter yeah you're exactly right <laughs> and i'm sure we've all done it before yep. I hope that's not a quality and characteristic that I have, but I remember I had a friend throw this. I won't throw him under the bus or his name, but I remember I had a friend back in Utah when I was doing some more races and things like that, but he was always talking about how he would do a race, uh, mountain bike or whatever, et cetera. And he quit. He would quit a lot. Yeah. I'm like, you, you paid a hundred bucks for the race Yeah, and you just quit. I yeah. mean, Come on, grind through it. Yeah. And uh, an, another phrase that I hear a lot, and this happens, can happen in the church, it happens in relationships, is the one, I'm done. You know, I'm just done. Yeah. And so, 
you know, we're going to have temptation struggle and some of those we're going to, we're going to conquer mm-hmm. and some of them we're going to have to learn what we're going to fail through them. Absolutely. And failure is learning. Now, again, uh, and, and I love how this article said that we should expect it. We, we should expect temptation is just going to be a regular part of our life. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's, it's the way that we grow. And the, you know, it's, it's during those times that you're, you realize how much you need God, you know, he's, he's strong in our weaknesses. And, uh, it's through those weaknesses is when I've, i find myself searching more in the word of God, uh, praying more, uh, worshiping more because it's like, I realize I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I liked in the kind of the second portion of this where it said, um, are you encountering the same types of temptation today as you did many years ago i thought that was powerful to think like you know that we should be conquering and overcoming yes that if i'm still dealing with the same things yeah that's not good that's not showing growth or character development in me as a man of god and i think that is good i think that's why today uh it could be and and again i'm not throwing anyone under the bus but it could be like for example uh, in my family and before i became a christian you know alcohol was very much a part of lifestyle. Well, I've overcome that. I've conquered that. I I don't, there's no struggle. I could, I could go in a bar and be surrounded by 20 guys, all drinking beers, drinking whatever. And there would be no temptation there. I I wouldn't be like, Oh, I just wish, (laughs) I just wish it was okay to just be a Christian and get wasted every night. Oh, you know, (laughs) you want to do that again? (laughs) Um, but okay. I'm overcoming that. Great. Okay. But, but now I have to recognize and expect Right. Okay, another temptation is going to come. Yeah. And it's actually kind of, you know, scary because some of the other ones are are more subtle, right? right. It's not the, I think what can be challenging as a, a believer in Christ as you grow is not so much the bigger ones because it's like, oh, we're, I'm over the big sins. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> isn't it funny how we, we, as, as Christians, we, we put a lot into those big sins and think that, okay, that's not a problem for us. It's, it's those little foxes in the vines, you know, that, uh, yeah. causes the problems and, uh, spoils the, the fruit. So we, we gotta be very cautious all the time forever, uh, being aware of, t- of temptations and don't stick your head in the sand and think that, uh, um, you're not going to be tempted. Don't, don't, yeah. uh, you know, and don't don't be so cocky to think those kind of things will never happen to me because yeah. uh, that pride slips in there, and then comes the fall. And I like how it uh, was saying, you know, the enemy changes his tactics over yes. time. Uh, and I one of the my all time favorite books. I haven't read this for a while. This is one I could probably read over and over again in my life. Is a great book by C.S. Lewis. You know, I love C.S. Lewis. Yes, you do. I love Chronicles of Narnia. But probably my second favorite book is Screw Tape Letters. Have you read this one before? I haven't. I've heard you talk about it yeah. a lot. This one is not Kelly. It's like easy reading level, so you could you oh, could pull I could this read off, this? okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's basically just a book about uh, letters between essentially a chief demon and a subordinate demon regarding one particular individual that that subordinate demon has yeah. assignment over. Yeah. So the chief demon is like. Basically, the subordinate demon is saying, like, let's use Kelly as an example. Hey, I tried to tempt Kelly with porn today, but he wouldn't, he, did, he didn't go for it. Yeah. So then the chief demon's like, okay, okay, we'll go ahead and try. Let's try, um, 
you know, let, let's try drugs, you know? And yeah. so the whole book is an interaction between two demons trying to get that individual to fall. Right. And, and, and even in one portion of the book, it's like, well, let's not, let's not get Kelly to not believe in God. Let's just get him to doubt God. Yeah. You know? And, and so those are the subtleties and the, yeah. I think that goes along with this point that the enemy is, you know, he might be like, okay, I can't get Jeremiah in this area. Right. But maybe just maybe yeah. this area is one. Yeah. Well, I, as you were talking about that, it was just, it was kind of going through my mind that, uh, how, how easy would it be for those demons that have an assignment over you, uh, to say, well, let's just work on him not being effective for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Let's, let's get him to, to not read his Bible as much and not, uh, witness to people as much and, and just get him to just, uh, not not participating, not being part of the the family of God. Let's get him to start kind of just being ineffective, yep. you know, and not doing anything. Feeling, let's get him to be mundane. Yeah, and that was one of those two in the book, you know, discouragement, like all these. Yeah, yeah, just being. Uh, and and I talked. I literally had a lunch today with a, a pastor, and I said one of the I think that things I get scared about as a, a follower of Jesus as a pastor is missing out on God moving significantly and powerfully in our lives because of religion. Yeah. Uh, because we pocket into our own liturgy, our own form of yeah. religion. And you look at all the, you know, revivals of the past, whether it be something like Brownsville in the nineties, Azusa street in the 1900s, the Welsh revival, et cetera. You can historically yeah. look at some of these moves of God. And when those moves of God happened, two things happened. People received it. Yep. And things exploded out of it. Yep. But then just as much as those things happened, there was probably about the same amount of people that rejected yep. what was happening. Absolutely. Uh, because they're like, this isn't of God. This isn't how we do church. Oh my. And, you know, really it all comes back to the New Testament with Jesus. Yep. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had the son of God looking them right in the eyeballs. Yeah. But they were so committed to their form of religion yep. that they denied the yep. son of God. Yeah, uh, and also you'll see in those those kind of movements people that are on fire, uh, and and just they're they're after that experience, but they're not after him. Yeah, they're not after ahead. Jesus, and and so that's a that's a problem because if you're just after experience, you're you're going to chase. You're only after those miracles, those signs, those wonders, but it's more important to just be after him. Yep. And let's wrap it up kind of with this last thought was that kind of talking about how we have to, you know, God giving victory, but it took the hands of the Israelites to, to, yes. to achieve the victory. And, yep. and this is a mantra. I have certain mantras. I'm getting old. So I repeat, I'm repetitive now <laughs> say the same thing over and over. I'm probably preaching the same sermons every Sunday. I don't even realize it at this point <laughs> in my life, but God is super natural, super. He gives the victory. Yes. He gives us the power. He gives us but natural in that everything God does is well for the, a lot, I should say, well, okay. A lot of what God does is partnership with him. Yes. So he's like, I'm going to give you the victory, yeah. but you're going to have to partner with me for the victory. Yes. yes. And so in the you know, scenario he's bringing up here in this article was that the, the, the Israelites had to go with their own hands and fight the battle. Yep. It's not that God wasn't going to give them the victory, yep. but they had to fight the fight. Yeah. There's still the work. So for all of us guys, if you could, I'll take a picture and slap it on Facebook. I got my brand new, I got a brand new set of boxing shoes in the back. Hey, you guys got a slap on the shoes, slap on the 16 ounce, the four ounces, whatever you are. If you're a boxer, MMA guy, 
put on the gloves and you got to go to war sometimes. You got to go to battle and you have to partner with God for victory over those temptations and those struggles and the things we battle with as men. That's right. And as we learned in mega camp team, there's other, there's men out there, guys. We've got to, we've got to iron as iron sharpens iron. We've got to get together and, and uh, hold each other up, hold each other accountable and be strong as a team. That's right. So, Hey, Kelly, we don't always say a prayer, but why don't you say a prayer over all the, the guys, people listening in today. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, your presence here today. And Lord, I know that uh, there are men out there that uh, they need you. They need your strength. Uh, they're fighting. They've been fighting, but they went around this mountain way too many times. That temptation just keeps coming back, and it feels like they're just never going to overcome it. Well, it's through you, Lord, that we overcome all those temptations. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you're you're moving in their lives, encouraging them, uh, helping them to draw closer to you so that we can be victorious in your name. Amen. Come on, guys. Let's do it together. Let's live up, lift up a shout of victory today. We can do it. We're conquerors. We're overcomers. We're victorious over every temptation. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the Modern Christian Dads podcast. We'll talk to you next time.